Hi, I'm Ollie, and I was calling to ask who you voted for. Nobody. Can I ask why, please, ma'am? Because I don't give a fuck. MBS Electronics. Yes, I'm Swanson. You're Swanson? What do you want? We're uh, sponsoring Julian Assange with WikiLeaks, and we're looking for sponsors today. Julian, you're sponsoring Julian Assange? Yes, we are, sir. And you'd like to have money to buy hand grenades to blow his fucking ass to hell where he belongs, right? Well, I'd be glad to give you some for that, but you don't get a fucking nickel for me for anything else, so go fuck your commie self. Promise to do. I like hear him talking about Guantanamo again and stuff. It's just weird. Yeah, he mentioned the only time I heard him mention Guantanamo was on the Daily Show, mm-hmm. which was a completely abysmal failure on John Stewart's <laughs> part. Like the part where he asked him, like a lot of people were expecting you to like roll back some of these Bush provisions, and Obama said, "Well, we're working within like a new legal framework." And John Stewart could have easily said, "Well, how? What is? What does that mean? How are you rolling them back?" And he just didn't follow up at all. It was just like, it was a design softball question for like a stock answer that they probably had it scripted in advance so that Obama yeah. could just like do some sort of smokescreen. Like framework, legal framework is the same bullshit that you, you said on your show. It's the same, similar thing to John Yu's torture memo mm-hmm. or all their torture memos. Like, I don't know. I mean, doing more research on this torture article that I'm working on, there's like three other people who wrote memos too. And the reason John Yu is the face of it is because he, like, also went on the the press to defend it, and he was, like, the spokesman for it. But he's only one of three other people who wrote these memos. And they're all, like, but mostly people you've never heard of, like Jay Bybee, yeah. Stephen Bradbury. I don't even know. I mean, I've never fucking heard of these people before. <laughs> yeah, I want to get into the memos in a second because I really want you to explain uh, more about them. We just did a segment, if anyone missed it, on RT together about just Obama normalizing the torture program from Bush and, and, and kind of getting into depth about some of these things. We'll link it on the timeline right now. Uh, FYI, there's, there's an interactive timeline. You can go and check out some of the things we're talking about. But yeah, back to the Jon Stewart interview. When, he, when Obama responded that way, when he said, we created a legal framework that wasn't there before, um, that, is, that is really key in itself because it's like, yes, these things were illegal before they're yeah they illegal. were illegal before they're so the, it's like you created a legal framework to make them legal like that is insane yeah or to make <laughs> them like not seem like they're as bad i mean the, yeah. the quote unquote legal framework the american united states law 
including all these torture treaties and things that were signed into law, already clearly say that waterboarding is torture and torture is a felony. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's absurd to say that there's a new legal framework when the old legal framework, the law, was already <laughs> law. very explicit in making torture right. illegal. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's like, it's, it's like, wait, you're bragging about that? You're bragging about the fact that you, like, created a new legal framework for things that are shouldn't be legal at all and that people should be prosecuted yeah, for. Yeah, and nobody like, will bat an eyelash at that. It doesn't yeah. even, people just are like, oh, yeah, cool, dude. Dude, yeah, I've never gotten framework, bro. Yeah, dude. Wow, you're so freaking cool, dude. Um, I've never gotten so much hate mail that I did from the Daily Show thing because That's it, great. I, think it really, I think it really hit home to a lot of people. They were like, "Oh yeah, what do you mean, dude? Like, oh, like John Stewart's great. He's he's just a comedian. Like you're yeah, a moron yeah, yeah. for the thinking excuse. that Daily Show. I love that they're they're parroting John Stewart's own wording, saying Talking like, point, yeah. I don't have a responsibility to mm-hmm. to ask our question because I'm just a comedian. I'm a comedian. Like he always he always uses that line of reasoning when he goes on places like CNN and right. they're like, well, how can you say you know they they chastise him for you know being biased in one direction or another and he'll just always say that it's like that doesn't hold water when you look at how what type of people watch his show what people get out of his show and then also the amount the revolving door of guests from the white house that continually come on a show to spread their propaganda it's a very sophisticated form of propaganda i love john stewart i think he's hilarious but he is he totally carries water for the establishment his purpose is to serve that other side of the establishment like our age yeah people who do get their news directly from john stewart the daily show and the colbert report i think it's like 50 percent of young voters watch it for a source of news not exclusively but like they do and it's it is complete bullshit to say that what are you doing going after him he's a comedian he's not his job isn't supposed to be newsworthy well if his job is not i mean not newsworthy but if his job is not supposed to be about spreading information then why does he let on so many white house officials to just spread their bullshit and he it's like yeah it is a very sophisticated form of propaganda it's a comedy show which has on officials that just say things and he doesn't challenge them. He lets them, it's basically like campaigning on his show. Right, in and, a funny way. And and what people forget is that he wasn't popular before he started railing against Bush every day on his show. He was mm-hmm. anti-establishment during Bush and so was Colbert and that's how they skyrocketed to popularity. He was popular before that but not nearly in the same way. Right. People right. barely watched the Daily Show. So they like, the trust Daily him show. now. Like, they trust yeah. him. But yeah, they don't not only trust him. It's like he got all those fans by being against the establishment and speaking out against right. criminal, you know, criminal acts and wrongdoing. So for them to, for all those same people to say, oh, it's not his responsibility. It's like, don't they see that he is completely soft on the Obama administration in comparison? I mean, which I guess is fine to them because they're all soft. I mean, most of his right. fans probably are the same way. They're soft on Obama's continuing of illegal wiretapping, immunizing torture, basically letting the whole Bush era of lawbreaking continue for a whole other four to right. eight years. I mean, they look the other way. So I guess, yeah, most of those people sending you hate mail probably agree that it's okay. No, they definitely agree. They totally agree. And they were just like... It's scary. How dare you? You're fighting the wrong battle. And I'm just like, you don't see the bigger picture. Like, you are completely blinded by this weird paradigm. I enjoyed watching Jon Stewart. You can get value out of watching him. But if you get offended when someone calls him out for giving a terrible interview to the President of the United States, who's the drone king, and you don't ask him one question 
that's serious. I mean, just because your show has undertones of comedy, he's given like political conventions before. He's said multiple times that he's not just a comedian. He's a he's a anchor, a journalist, and a comedian. That's what he's said yeah. before. So when you you know you proclaim yourself as having all these sorts of facets to contribute to society in a certain way, and when you're delivering the news and you know the statistic the statistics of how many people come to you for information, like you do have a responsibility whether you like it or not. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he is failing whatever he he feels like he's serving uh you know whatever he wishes to serve so that's fine but, I'm but sure we need probably, to wake up to it I'm, yeah i'm sure he probably sees himself on the side of good and the you know the, the right side um as we saw both him and colbert shed a tear mm -hmm. the, on the night that obama won the election they did a live broadcast i mean their hearts are way more invested in the partisan paradigm of politics and i think you or I or most of our listeners are. And that's the unfortunate thing is that so many people, including these big media people, are still very much stuck in this because I think a big part of it is that it takes, it feels to the normal person like it takes too much time and energy to actually break out of that. Like, right. it's just you, it's very easy to fall back into that because that's what we're fed. You know, it's right. like that's what's presented to us through all this money and media coverage is this two-party horse race bullshit. And you want to know I mean, something weird? What? You want to know something weird about Stephen Colbert? Yeah. I was just watching his show, and I, I mean, what would his show, if that aired today, would it be from Friday's show? Like, at 8 p.m.? Like, it wasn't the, the real-time show. It played at, like, 6 p.m. Would that be from Friday? Yeah. Well, no, there is. I think it's Thursday's show. Well, I mean, if you're on the East Coast, I think you get to watch it, the Monday mm. show, that early. Possibly. Oh, shit. Well, then that's great, because I want to talk about it tomorrow if we have a show. Uh, but, no, it was amazing, because he's, like, he's like mocking. And, and Stephen Colbert, of course, is, is does it, too, but even in a more insidious way, because he's, like, straight comedian mocking the, the right establishment. You know, so you're just like, oh, you don't really see that, that coming through as much as Jon Stewart. But um, it's, easy to like, it's easier to just be like, oh, you know... Stephen Colbert is just like mocking everything or whatever, but he definitely still, as we saw with him, you know, the, the head shaving thing with Obama on the SAO tour and all that shit. And then today he's like, he's like mocking this whole Fox news line about how you remember right after those attacks happened in Benghazi and like, it was all about how it was this film and it was like all about yeah. this YouTube film. I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, let's just put that out there that the administration probably for political reasons worried about the election they didn't want they didn't want the full impact of what happened to like get out to the media they tried to like smoke screen it it's obvious that they did that right so right. so keep going sorry no 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 so so yeah first but it was just funny because first until they found that guy's journal like the ambassador at the at the embassy they didn't admit you know that they were wrong that it was like actually like a planned thing and it wasn't uh -huh. just like this stupid YouTube video or whatever. It was actually like a coordinated attack to try to get this guy out and he was scared for his life. All this shit. So anyway, he was like playing all these clips on Fox News and saying, you know, they're all blaming it on Obama. Like, first of all, they were towing the line that, oh, it's just this film. And then when the journal came out, they were just like, oh, well, Obama's trying to cover it up. Obama's like censoring it. Obama doesn't want to know the truth, all this stuff. And then, and then it goes back to Stephen Colbert and he and he actually said something smart at first, and this is how, this is how sophisticated this shit is, because you 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 agree with it, but then he like spins you off in this other direction at the very end. He like first was just like you know, 
they're all blaming it on Obama and all this stuff. And he was like, but could this just be a really complex situation that they were trying, like you said, to do damage control? Like, you know, when you're rationally looking at something in the eve of an election, you don't you you act certain ways. He's like, it's more complex and they're painting it to be all this stuff. And then at the and then right after that, it was so strange. I felt like I was like in a parallel dimension. He just like he like looked at the camera and he was just like, but we but we can't forget that he killed bin Laden. Weird. And then everyone started applauding, and then it just went to a commercial break. And it was the weirdest thing ever. He was basically, like, trying to tell the audience, like, no matter what Fox says, like, I guess they forgot that he killed Osama bin Laden. Everyone's like, yeah! Yeah. And then that segment was over. Wow. Well, I, I find what I find most interesting about Colbert is his whole shtick is that he's originally, his whole concept was he was, like, par- doing, like, a full-on... 100% sarcastic version of like Bill mm-hmm. O'Reilly or Hannity where he would say things like the Republicans would say on Fox News but it would be such obvious sarcasm that the reverse of it would be true you know right. like right. it would be like so tongue in cheek well now since the other side the side that he supports is in office the Democrats and mm-hmm. Obama his whole role now is to act like a set satirizing the attacks going towards right. Obama because he's satirizing the Republicans who are now not in power on Fox News attacking the sitting president. But what's interesting, when it, what comes through, you know, through all that sarcasm and through all that shtick and through all that Stephen Colbert, you know, deadpan humor, you can actually tell the defensiveness still comes through that defensiveness, that emotion where it's like you feel like you're being attacked. So like his, the defensiveness that he personally probably holds when people attack Obama, it comes through in his jokes in these weird, obvious ways that that it, it goes even further than when he was just parroting, you know, a Republican Bush supporter earlier. Right. So right. I, it, to me, that's actually it's kind of unsettling to watch him to see that even though he's in character, he still can't hold back that kind of defensive, um, you know, supportive of feelings that he has for Obama. Right. So, and I, I, we, I mean, I would try to find some examples of that specifically, but I mean, there's Well, plenty. like tonight, I mean, the one that I just told you, you know? Yeah. It's just weird. It's like, what, like, what was that? Like, it was just so strange. I'm going to totally bring, I'm going to play that. And let's not, (laughs) and I don't want people out there listening to think that we're saying that Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert are propaganda. We're, I mean, you can watch your show sometimes and see that they do still go after Obama. They do sometimes, I mean, occasionally they will. Well, that's why it's so good though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and a show like Bill Maher is worse in some ways because it brings on all these people from the establishment like together with, you know they gave Glenn Greenwald a slot once and I think that's probably one of the most right. radical people they've had on in all the last two years but you know I don't know it's well the, the, here's the thing to take away from this is that we're not we really respect them for, for going after I mean, we like them. They're great comedians. They go after a lot of Republican assholes, and they do it in a really smart, intelligent, funny way, and that's great. Um, but to not see the bigger picture is, you know, they, they, they gatekeep. They gatekeep on the most important things of the same way that the corporate media gatekeeps. I mean, they wouldn't be able to be on... They wouldn't be able to have this audience on, no. uh, on television if they didn't withstand some sort of establishment line, establishment narrative. That's just the way it is, and to call it that, like, it shouldn't offend you. It shouldn't make you upset i mean it's just it's just a fact i mean that's just something yeah we're not targeting them unfairly i mean if any other 
famous, you know, hard line against the establishment journalist or comedian or anybody who previously held opinions that were very anti-Bush's uh, torture, spying, illegal wars. Like, say, if Keith Oberman got a chance yeah. to interview Obama and he didn't ask any hard questions, we would be just as critical of him because it shows a hypocrisy, a biased hypocrisy. Right. You know, just like most Republicans hold about, you know, being into the Constitution now, but when Bush was president, he didn't give a shit. You know, I mean, that's the similar level of hypocrisy. Right. But, right. It's, but now it's flipped because the Democrats are having that hypocrisy where they have to either defend or ignore or not ask hard questions about things that they used to be really passionate about. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that simple. And, and people like Jon Stewart are not immune to it. And it's obvious. You watch his show. Yeah, I mean, but. yeah, it, it, it is. It's crazy. I mean, Bill Maher is one of the worst for sure because, I mean, when so many people look at Bill Maher just like they do Jon Stewart, and they would argue the same thing that he's a comedian, that he just has this talk show and blah, blah, and that's fine and that's well and good. But when you have, when you do a comedy tour, like my friend Barrett, who saw Bill Maher, and there's an article on Media Itself we'll link to right now. I'm called Bill Maher, the establishment lackey, but when he gives this whole, you know, set about fucking up the establishment, like all these crazy politicians and how like every, everything's fucked and, and it's all wrong. And then at the very end, and, and the whole crowd is like so riled up. I mean, if you've been to a, a comedy set, I'm sure something like Bill Maher, like after an hour and a half, you're just like, you know, you, you've been laughing the whole time, you're like really engaged. And then all of a sudden he goes back behind the set and brings out a giant cartoon check for a million dollars for Obama's super PAC and tells everyone in the audience like he gets really somber and he's just like this is not a joke like if you think that the if you think that Obama has the selection in the bag then you'd be wrong and I mean how is that not influence I mean could you say the same thing about Bill Maher like yeah you don't see Jon Stewart going out on his free time and like telling people to donate for Obama, maybe he does, but yeah. to have Bill Maher like incorporate this as a part of his stand-up act and go around the country and like do this is absolutely insane. Yeah, and what, what saddens me is that, I mean, okay, I just, I, I actually still watch his show just to get like, you know, more in depth into like what the fuck he must be thinking or what, you know, because these are the people in power now, the, de the Democrats and the so-called liberals, they're not really liberal, they're more centrist or right-leaning, but, you know, they, they're in power now, so I watch these shows and, and Bill Maher's last word from the last episode was basically saying, would you rather have someone in office like Mitt Romney who will try to repeal Roe versus Wade, who will bring back the Defense of Mar Marriage Authorization Act and all this stuff. We went through all these issues. But the thing that I took from that was that Roe versus Wade was a, was a Supreme Court ruling. It's, le it's legal to get an abortion right now. It's legal. Mm -hmm. um, there is no defense marriage. I mean, it's, I, I doubt that the federal government would be able to even push through a ban on gay marriage. I mean, it's becoming legal in so many states, and I, I don't think that's even going to happen, but it's not under threat right now. There is no threat or impending threat that federal government is going to jump into gay marriage and ban I mean, especially right. as people become more socially liberal. So let's flip this the other direction. He's saying that, that those things will be, be threatened. Mitt Romney gets in. Well, here's the problem is that it, it's, it, you could say the same thing about 
things like our civil rights will be threatened if Romney gets in, but they already are, they have been threatened by actual repealings of existing laws and modifications of the law. You know, like the Patriot Act to surveil you in all these different ways that weren't legal before. And that's that exists now. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Bill Maher doesn't talk about those things that are already gone. It's not like they're under threat, they're gone right now. Right, right, right. Roe versus Wade may be under threat ex- existentially, but it's it, it exists. It's legal to get an abortion. You can, yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, many right. things that you're are right. changed now. I mean, if we let them stay changed that way for too long, that's going to become normal. It already has. It's already been a decade. And people who are born now, I mean, it just it doesn't even make sense unless you just don't care about those things or no, unless you don't no. think well, they're that, important. Well, that's the thing, Robbie. I think abortion and gay rights is one of those issues where it's like everyone... And those everyone, every well, everyone knows someone that's either gay or is like dealt with, you know childbirth or has had an abortion or, or anything like they're more connected to those issues and I think that they're more like intrinsic to human nature surveillance and spying people have no fucking idea if they like haven't encountered any sort of oppression by the state and if they're just kind of like they have no concept whatsoever of what that what that really means you know then 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 those issues mean nothing to them those issues are just like oh you're surveilling terrorism like you're surveilling the country so that you can catch terrorists like that's a good thing i think yeah. a lot of people have that mindset and it's so they know how to play on those emotions they know how to play up these issues all the time that were decided fucking 50 years ago you know roe v wade are you joking like how are we st- how are we putting this on the table every time there's a fucking election seriously biden looking at the camera and being like look it all basically telling us like it all comes down to the Supreme Court justice who could overturn Roe v. Wade. Like that's that's why this election matters. Like that's what he was telling us in that in that debate that he did with fucking Paul. I'm not even joking. That's what it comes down to. All this billion dollar charade is just like who do you want to elect a Supreme Court justice, him or me? Because Roe v. Wade could get overturned. Everyone's like, oh my god. Well, you're totally right though. I mean, it's. It's like, here, I'll, I'll do a really bad paraphrase of that famous <laughs> Holocaust quote you always hear. But it's like, first they came for the Muslims, and I said nothing. Then they came for the whistleblowers, and I remained silent. Then they came for the journalists, and I said nothing. But then they came for to take away my right to get an abortion, or, you know, threaten my ability to get married, and there was no one left to speak for me. I mean... <laughs> That's right. I mean, that's probably the most accurate like timeline of events. It's like the journalists and the whistleblowers are there to like protect society as a whole. Right. And once they come for them and they put them under threat or make them feel like they're gonna be you know, that there'll be much harsher penalties than before, then who's left to protect us? I mean if yeah. you really think of it that way, it's there's no one. And and that was so important to just the foundation of the society that it was actually written in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, like a freedom of press. That was the only thing that was really elucidated so strongly. It's like this is completely essential. Like if you do not have this, then you can't have a functional society in, in the way that we've you know created it or envisioned it. And we completely don't have that anymore. So it's just like... Yeah, I mean, if people don't even understand how important that is, that, like, our press is completely controlled and by corporate 
power and they've go, been going after journalists and, and whistleblowers and they've set up all these things that just like spy on people and threaten people. And how do journalists get some of the best scoops there there are, you know, if it's not from people who are working for the U.S. government or big corporations who do blow the whistle on practices that are being hidden or covered up, either through leaking documents to the press by you know, becoming an informant for the press, like still working for the company and actually secretly filming things and things mm-hmm. like that. Though, I mean, that's the that's that's an integral link to have a, a actual free press. And I just wanted to read something really funny. I just I just typed into Google change.gov and whistleblowers. And oh, on the no. 2008 Obama campaign website, which is still online, it says ethics agenda under different agendas. So in the ethics agenda section, it says to protect whistleblowers. Often the best source of information about waste, fraud, and abuse in government is an existing government employee committed to public integrity and willing to speak out. Such acts of courage and patriotism, which can sometimes save lives and often save taxpayer dollars, should be encouraged rather than stifled. Obama will ensure that federal agencies expedite the process for reviewing whistleblower claims and whistleblowers have full access to court and due process. Oh, how, how, how quickly <laughs> things change. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really have anything else to say. To, to yeah, I mean, that <laughs> speaks for itself. It's like, <laughs> like what are you even going to say about it? I mean, Jesus. I mean, just to remind people, Obama's gone after more whistleblowers than any other presidential administration combined. He's, he's you know, resurrected this ancient fucking act called the Espionage Act that was created in World War II to go after spies. And it's only been used three times in our history previous to him taking office, and he, in his administration, has used it six times. Six times. Yeah, yeah. six times. To, and John Kariaku, that guy who like tried to expose part of the torture program during the Bush administration, he's being charged and could be in jail for life the for guy coming from out the New York insane. Times. Um, I don't know if that's if that's where he was from, but he's like this uh, guy with brown hair Kind of looks like Clark Kent. Is that the guy? Did he work for the? Is this the guy who worked for the government or the the paper newspaper? No, the government. Okay, because I think a journalist who was involved in get, receiving those leaks is also being Wait investigated. No, I want to make sure. I think I actually think he is the New York Times reporter, and then there was another guy who was the one who was said to have leaked the documents. So yeah, what you're saying is the Obama administration is going after people who did who did whistleblowing acts during the Bush administration. Right. He's he's which a is, former CIA officer. Which is ridiculous. Actually, yeah. But he leaked. But he leaked the the secrets to a New York Times reporter. So it is linked. Like he is that guy. And then they were also going after the New York Times reporter. He hasn't been prosecuted yet, but he's he's being investigated still. It's like an open, ongoing. They're trying to do something to him, basically. Which, I mean, if you think about it, it's just absurd because Obama has said in his speeches, torture is a crime. If the U.S. committed crimes, we will right. go after those. Right. And all this different stuff. I mean, he he acknowledges that the Bush administration broke the law. Yeah, that's what people need to realize is that it's not that he just said, look forward. I mean, I've had people even argue with me like, well, you know, it would be political suicide if Obama tried to retroactively open all this shit and, and you know, prosecute fucking bush criminals and and i was just like okay but hold up but he's not just not doing that 
Like, you can look at this case of John Kiriakou and be like, he's actually going after people who expose portions of this torture program during the Bush administration. Exactly. Like, that and is he's, crazy. And he's continuing to thwart and, and take out of court lawsuits and criminal proceedings, which are all in relation to the Bush administration's war on terror. He, he got um, Jose Padilla's case like kicked out of federal court and all this different stuff involving claims of torture under the Bush administration and he evokes the state secrets privilege to say that anything um, released in court, even if it's a closed hearing, could still violate national security. So, Insane. I mean, yeah, and he, I mean, and Eric Holder said all this crazy shit about torture too. Here, let me read you one of the things um, Eric Holder said. He said, we prosecuted our own soldiers for using it in Vietnam. Waterboarding is torture. Hmm. He even said in the same speech, we owe the American people a reckoning in reference to getting something going, uh, a legal proceeding against the people who operate torture. <laughs> Interesting, Eric, how you've changed your tune. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've all changed their tune. Yeah. They all changed their tune... And what's crazy, if you think about it, is they really, that's really inflammatory. You could use, let's take a devil's advocate stance for a second. That's really inflammatory rhetoric to use about anybody, even the person you're not running against, the previous president, that he's against, he broke the law. Right. That he was doing illegal things and that there's going to be possible investigations. I mean, that gets people's, like, heart rate up. Like, that's, like, serious business to, like, make any claims like that. So they didn't, I don't think they just did that on a whim. They're like, oh yeah, this would be like, they they want, they wanted to harness that energy to win the election. And I think Absolutely. A, they did a lot of people that caught on to that. They might be weren't convinced that Obama, but then when they heard he was like, holy shit, this guy is like a principled, like constitutional law professor who's knows what's against the law, what isn't. And Bush broke the law. I was like, oh my God, we might, you know, we might see them in handcuffs. You know, like people, it, ha it has an exciting tinge to it. <laughs> Yeah, Mike was just, Mike uh, was telling me the other day, he was just like, but think about this. Like, people elected Obama because they, he's like, that is actually a good sign because they thought, I mean, if Obama really did do all the shit that he said he was going to do, like, that is good that people elected this person if they really believed that that's the stuff that he would have done. Like, that, that does mean that enough people want at least that fake vision that he put forward, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Well, some, <laughs> like, I guess it's like a good... <laughs> Do you want to hear something sad, too? That I just thought oh, of. No. That's really funny. Are you going to knock, knock that shit down? No, 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 no. Nothing that, anything to do with what you said, but remember the NSA wiretapping scandal where Obama pledged that he would veto, he wouldn't he wouldn't vote on the telecom immunity part of it. Right. Which gives retroactive immunity to... Wait, is this the, the thing that just happened today? No, no, oh, but no, tell no, me no. that thing that's from way long ago. Yeah, this happened in yeah, yeah, 2008, yeah. I think, right before he he was he he was almost like got the primary locked in at this point, I believe. Right. And he was saying that he was going to pledge against it. He even voted against the um, Michael Hayden's uh, confirmation hearing because he said that. Let me say about Michael Hayden. The architect and chief defender of a program of wiretapping and collection of phone records outside of FISA oversight. Will send, and he said that me voting against him will send a clear signal to the administration that President Bush is not above the law. Well, he mm -hmm. changed that stance later and voted for telecom immunity. But the sad part was that Hillary Clinton promised to vote against it too, and she did. She didn't. She did. I mean, she she voted against it. 
So like, here here we all were like thinking Obama was this shining white knight in the primary, and he, not we as in you and me, mm-hmm. but I mean, most people saw him as like someone way more authentic and principled than all the other people, short of Kucinich or Gravel. Right. But then Hillary Clinton actually kept to her promise and voted against telecom unity, which wow. is which is kind of a surprise. It just doesn't jive with the way we remember Obama. You know? That he was better than Hillary Clinton in every regard. Right. I just found that funny and sad that she did that. <laughs> that is that is kind of sad. I, I I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that Hillary actually did that though. Yeah. I mean, geez, That's ridiculous. <laughs> but no, the thing that I was thinking about today was the NSA. So, Supreme Court heard today over an argument over whether NSA warrantless wiretapping can be legally challenged. Against so the is, government itself, yeah. So this not is against like because the, the corporations are immune. This right, is talking right, about right. against. You know, that's. I just wanted to interject really quick that Glenn Greenwald, in his book, he talks about that being like a hopeful sign because it was still pending in front of the Supreme Court. So the case was heard today. Right. Yeah. Okay. So tell yeah. me what happened. No, I mean that. That's all I know. Oh, but the, no verdict was reached or anything. Um, hold on. But no, something else really sad that happened today was that the Supreme Court decided not to hear the case of the Holy Land Five. Um, the five Muslim Americans who had a charity group that, that donated money to Pac- um, Palestine, and this was pre-9-11 and post-9-11, um, and it was to these like Zakat community groups in Palestine, and once they donated the money to Zakat, the Bush administration in a post-9-11 fervor um, shut down all these groups that were giving money to Palestine and saying that these Zakat groups would give the money that they were donating here to Hamas, um, which is completely untrue. I mean, you have the, all these like UN-sponsored organizations as well that were sending money to the exact same Zakats that this group was. And why, so it's and like they just wanted to target this group and just shut it down and like some Patriot Act bullshit. For harboring terrorism, even though like UN groups and all these other aid charities have donated to the same exact things, it is that's so fucking dumb. And I just, uh, I guess I'm maybe this might people might think this is a radical or something to think this, but I I don't even think it should be illegal to like send money to Hamas if you really wanted to. I mean, if that's your business, like Hamas does not pose a threat to the United States. They pose a threat to Israel's idea that they can occupy Palestinian well, land. Well, I mean, here's the most ridiculous thing is Glenn Greenwald wrote this amazing article about it. I'll link to it right now, but it's seriously just breaking down how, first of all, how meaningless the word terrorist group is. Second of all, how the fact that the U.S. State Department has this list of, quote, terrorist groups, one of which is Hamas, um, which we know is the democratically elected leadership of Palestine. And yeah, we don't like it because it threatens Israel. We know how much this administration loves Israel. But at the same time, the State Department just removed the MEK, the Mujahideen El Kalk group, that has been that they were the ones who assassinated the Israeli nuclear. Or I'm sorry, the Iranian nuclear scientists. They have been. Oh wow! Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're the group who we basically had to assassinate Iranian nuclear scientists, and we just removed them from the State Department wow. list. And they also We're pay good. tens of thousands of dollars to Giuliani, Mr. 9-11, the guy who said, you know, all this shit about terrorists. He's getting funding, tens of thousands of dollars from a terrorist group to go speak on their behalf. 
all of the world and Newt Gingrich. Oh, yeah. I mean, all these people, uh, all these, all of Romney's security advisors and stuff. Like, and and all these, and Howard Dean. Like, all these people are like going around getting paid by the MEK, which is a terrorist group. If you're looking at what is a terrorist group, they fit the, all the definitions group, of it. It's amazing. And Glenn Greenwald is just like, boom. He's like, I'm going to destroy this entire thing. He like killed it. And uh, it's just so hypocritical and just bullshit. It just shows that the State Department does not consider anything terrorist in, unless they're the bad terrorists, like the terrorists that are working against hegemony in, in the fucking world. I mean, if they're good terrorists that we can use to overthrow Iran or do whatever else, that's good. Well, they're, let's, not, they're not terrorists. I mean, let's, let's really just put it out there. Like, if you, let's say if you just define terrorism terrorist groups as armed militias that do like heinous acts and like bomb public places and stuff like none of those places I mean regardless of if they're Muslim or not you can go to Nicaragua or like any South American countries where those kind of militias have existed or any country on the planet and they're all pretty unsavory so like for them to like it's just an easy way to scapegoat somebody and make it seem like they're like more evil than Amer you know Americans would be or something like I mean Who's killed more people? You know, like, I, I just look at, like, the total factor. I'm not saying that two wrongs make a right, but, like, there are, I mean, just look at this, the numbers. Like, we've killed so many more people than any <laughs> terrorist could possibly do. I mean, and we killed mostly innocent people. So, like, it, it's just absurd to me. <laughs> no, it is absurd. <laughs> it is absurd, for sure. Um, what what, what are you going to talk about? I mean... This, it, it's just it, the rhetoric is so hilarious because it's just like what like it's just amazing that they could that no one else would call them out like how come no one else is calling them out on this this insanity um it all goes back to the terror management theory the idea <laughs> that people um Stephen was explaining this theory to me that people are con confine themselves into closer knit groups and become more hard-lined opinion about beliefs that they already held once their fear of death mechanism kicks in. So 9-11 probably activated all these people's fear of death, made them feel like, oh, now, now I just, just don't have to worry about growing old and dying from cancer. Now I might also be, like, killed in a terrorist attack. Right. It's just, like, weird. It became, like, that prominent in a lot of people's minds. And, like, it's... It makes people. It psychologically does something, and I don't think that's gone away. It's we're still, we're still like locked into this like psychic shift that took place after 9/11, that hasn't we haven't gotten away from, and there's not enough resistance to it to really show the public as a whole that we don't need to be there mentally anymore. It's it's strange. Feels like they live in a, in a lot of ways. Like, I yeah. can see why that movie's become so popular more recently. Like, right? It's after nine eleven. Like that's what things kind of felt like. Like, it, we're when since then we've been in a state of per, pretty much perpetual war. Right. We're still in Afghanistan. I mean, even yeah. just the physical wars. But now the disposition matrix says it's going to last. <laughs> the the war on terror is going to last for another twenty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and people honestly don't. They, they don't realize it um, because, you know, these, these large-scale ground wars have scaled back and stuff, but I was, you know, in light of these, these riots in San Francisco because the Giants won some sort of game um, and everyone's freaking the fuck out and burning buses and smashing shit, and I was just like, wait, 
why is it that first of all people only riot during sports second of all where are the riot cops to like arrest people and tear gas people when they're rioting like smashing the fuck out of buses and burning them down and (laughs) I just completely forgot where I was going it's just so ridiculous that like this is not like what does it say about our society that we have that this is when people react is when sports teams lose well it says a lot of things I mean the the police response I'll just go into the police response side of it because (laughs) I mean to me it just shows that it's not because Occupy got out of hand physically and they were trying to get public safety by having like thousands of riot cops it was because they want to intimidate the public in a more of a long term way that if you do this we're going to come in fucking Mm -hmm. full force Mm -hmm. you're not going to have a stand a chance against us we're going to fuck you up that's the message that they want to send it's not just oh we're here to protect people like of course not that I mean they shot a veteran right in the in the head with a tear right. gas canister and then they shot the people who were coming to drag him away after they saw that he had a bleeding head wound right. with grenades not like real you know grenade grenades but flash grenades like that's all on video and it's it's the complete um, the, the situations are completely treated that completely different yeah and 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 above all else that proves that like they don't care about what you're doing they care about like the threat you are like idiot sports fans who are just drunk assholes who you know are just sheep pretty much like if that's all they care about then they just like don't care and they're celebrating like all these headlines are just like sf giants fans like celebrating the streets and they're just like like burning of cars and buses and I was just thinking can you imagine if those were people protesting out there like burning a bus oh they would be all burning shot with fucking, rubber bullets yeah and can you just they'd be like fucking hogtied and oh, dragged yeah. through the street oh my god they would be um, like it's crazy well at the RNC they, they treated people like cattle like um, Stephen again I mentioned Stephen when he lived in New York he was walking down the street near where the convention was happening and a police horse was just like like squashing people like an old lady like him and an old lady were like smashed together on the sidewalk (laughs) because this police horse was just like just being totally ridiculous like fucking just fucking people up like for no reason (laughs) so I mean it's just yeah it's 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 completely disproportionate the amount of police for these sports riots is minimal they don't just shoot people with tear gas and rubber bullets. They fucking just let it die down and then arrest the, the people that they think are the culprits or whatever. I think they did something like 30 arrests last night or something like that, but none of the photos I've seen show it, lines of police, like in an army formation, you know? Right. That's what we saw all the times the police came to occupy. Every single time they were there. Just line, like hundreds. Either they never showed up, or when they came, they came with fucking everything. I mean, they just came with it all. Police from every city in the Bay Area. Pleasanton Police, Danville Police, San Leandro Police, El Cerrito Police. Like, everybody came. Yeah. To make it look like we were just going to fuck you up. Yeah, Yeah, and they did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they did fuck us up. Yeah, I mean, these assholes are just running around San Francisco, just, you know, destroying shit. And they're like, oh, how cute. They're celebrating. They're celebrating their team. Bizarre. I I completely went off on a tangent. What were we talking about right before we talked about 
this rioting thing because I really had something to say and I completely went off course. Do you remember? <sighs> no. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Samsara and Baraka. Y'all need to check those movies out because they're amazing. Yeah, we we talked about those last time. I think a yeah, little bit, but yeah. yeah let's... Talk about them <laughs> Whether now that you've seen it, are there are there any like scenes that left you with a strong impression? Yes, the opening scene of Samsara was very intense. Those girls dancing, and then I loved. I just love the whole concept of the movie. How everything's you know permanent, and they start with the mandala, and then end with mandala, and not to give any spoilers, but it's just like you know that's the cycle of life. That's what it means. And so it's just a really cool concept. I like that. What exactly does Baraka mean? Um, I don't know, actually. I know, it's, and I and I think samsara means like the some some variation of the. Wheel of Life, but I don't, I don't know that either. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I mean just like life and rebirth, like the, you know, the cycle of life, pretty much. Yeah, but both of those are excellent. Um, Baraka's on DVD. It's on H or uh, Blu-ray, and it looks really fucking good. You can manage to watch that way. I recommend it. Really effing good. So what, what else is happening right now in this um, generic? Landscape, but we didn't talk much about the elections, actually. Yeah, I mean, what? yeah, let's talk about the elections. Let's talk about the fact that they're the third party candidates are completely shut out of everything, of course, you know. But I think it's, it is interesting to note that they, if people haven't figured it out by now, like the debates and the Commission on Presidential Debates is completely controlled and run by corporations and, and it hasn't a been a third party it's a private corporation that hasn't seen a third party candidate since Ross Perot who put forward all his own money to get there so you know of course third party candidates aren't going to be seen on these debates but so Jill Stein and Gary Johnson are both suing the commission on presidential debates to like because they were excluded and they tried to get in and it's just sad I mean these are two people who are viable candidates and they're completely shut out from the dialogue the corporate media has like had them on very briefly just to be like oh yeah tokenistic you know. appearances mm -hmm. some of them and to go back to what you said earlier about that's there that Ross Perot was the last third party debate candidate to make it through this process well back in 1992 this commission probably wasn't nearly as powerful as it is now mm -hmm. um, Citizens United hadn't happened yet the amount of money being poured into elections, not even counting inflation, but just in general, relatively speaking, is way more than it used to be. Um, so th imagine how much harder it would be now, even if you were a billionaire like Ross Perot, to mm -hmm. get through that process. Probably be even, he, I don't even know if he'd be able to do it now, just because of the way things have tr right. evolved. Right, yeah, you're absolutely so, right. I mean, maybe someone like Bloomberg, just because he's like yeah. fucking, he has like media control, he's got like the Bloomberg mm -hmm. network and the paper. So, I wouldn't but, be surprised if he ran. I think he might. He's might be like the next Ross Perot. But the thing with him is, he's so much more establishment uh, than Ross Perot even was. He, he's a he's kind of like a tyrant actually. The way he runs no, he's New York insane. City. Yeah. He bought his own third term. His story, I mean, he wasn't even supposed to run for another term, but somehow he got his way. Like, what the fuck? I mean, just that. It's like, well, how did he do that? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Bloomberg is like, what is he, one of the, like, ten richest people in the world? 
I don't know if he ranks that high, but he's one of. I mean, he's among, he's among. Oh, I'm sorry. In the rich. country, in the country. No, he is one of the richest people in the country for sure. I, I could buy that. Yeah. Yeah. No, he has a. He has a huge. Yeah, he has a huge influence financially. It's fucking nuts. Didn't he like extend the term limits of New York? Well, he, he did it so that he could get a third term. Yeah. Like a term, yeah. a term longer than any other mayor that I know of. But. Yeah, the election is really, um, it's really surreal to jump back into, like, this whole, you know, 24-hour news channel spin cycle. Like, I haven't been watching any of that shit for a while. Like, I just try not to, you know, like, because it's, it, it, it does kind of rot your mind, even when you know, you don't believe in it. It still fucks with you. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really just weird. It makes me feel weird when I watch it. But I've been watching MSNBC and Fox News and CNN like maybe like two hours a day for the last few weeks, and it's just really fucking weird. Like the the way that the race has tightened so much in the eyes of the media now that he that Obama seemed like he took a dive on the first debate. Like I mean, even MSNBC, the network that's supposed to like be on the left, you know, the left version of Fox News. Now they were all like totally shocked, like. They couldn't believe Obama's bad performance on the first debate. They were, I mean, they were dumbfounded. And when I was watching it, I was shocked too. Like I, I don't, didn't think Obama was going to do amazing, but I thought that it was at least going to be like a draw or just, they would just seem both as boring or something. But Obama just like, it was really bizarre. He seemed like he didn't want to be there and he was just really tired or something or just didn't like seemed to have his heart in it or something it was well, what did you think I mean um you know I, I I didn't I don't know I guess I didn't have anything to compare it to really because I don't really remember how the last debates were so I was just like oh you know it was just kind of weak um, it was just really boring that was the first like one like the debate as a whole yeah yeah and then I remember you telling me at the time like this theory you know you're just like it seems like Obama kind of took a dive or whatever and I was like I don't know and then the, the next two debates were so different. And then I just started getting really paranoid watching the very last one on foreign policy because I was just like, whoa. Like, I felt like Obama did take a dive in the first one because he was so bad. And then I mean, he like, comes back. And, oh, because yeah. you, didn't, you didn't necessarily agree with my theory until right. you saw the other yeah, his, yeah, 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 yeah. The change. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. how is that, like, accidental? No. Or, or just circumstantial, like, oh, he was just off on this day. It doesn't, doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't add up to that. It was almost just to be like, yo, like, look, Obama isn't, you know, the, it is like a tight race, and we really do need to pay attention. And, like, yeah. look, Romney might be able to win. Like, look, he did really good in this And debate. then they just started like, attacking did. Romney a lot. They were totally not doing that at all before, but then they just started doing it in a very obvious way, like, after the first debate. Like, I mean, when I say they, I mean Obama's campaign. They put a picture of him in a dunce hat, like on their official Tumblr page. <laughs> I mean, Obama said that that he hears from kids that Romney, they think Romney is a bullshitter. Like, he said that like in a paper. Like, I and I don't know. It's just it's weird to me. Their their speeches after these debates sort of had this weird desperate energy to them. It's really hard to put my finger on, but something seems off, and I don't know what it is. Like. I mean, how, you know, I don't know how, like, conspiratorial or just how, like, evil these people are that shape the, the election cycle, but I don't know. It just well, makes me 
Well, go crazy here's the thing, it. and here's another interesting part of it. First of all, I've been, you know, we've been talking to a lot of people on Breaking the Set, like Mark Crispin Miller, um, Greg Palast, who did extensively research how the last three elections were rigged. Um, when you're looking at voter disenfranchisement, you can look at voter ID laws, you can look at, you know, all of the dirty tricks, uh, the, the, the voting machines, Diebold and, and this new company, I forget the name of it. Um, so there's all these different aspects of, of the fact that voting is rigged in this country, uh, and it goes unchallenged, pretty much. And you can look at the Electoral College, which is this ancient institution that doesn't apply to modern society. It should be the popular voter. You should have, like, if you have a certain per- percent of the third party getting a certain percent of the vote, they should have that percentage of representation in the legislature, in the body politic. I mean, that's just, like, very simple. That, that makes sense. And then since that doesn't happen, since you have these, like, delegates and then the Electoral College deciding what state goes to which party is completely fucking asinine. So, of course, no one's going to look at third parties and be like, well, we should vote, for, you know, for third party. And if, and if you did have a chance to get some sort of percentage heard, then it would be different. But it's not. So, so looking at this whole election cycle and all the shit that's going on, it's just, it's so manufactured to me and it's just so weird. And it's funny how people like, I was just talking to my friend the other day who was looking at this voting fraud thing. And I was just like, look, Kerry conceded, Gore conceded. If you were spending billions of dollars to try to win, to be president of the United States, wouldn't you want to fight? Wouldn't you want to win? Like, doesn't that not make sense at all that they just conceded if it's just like no fault to them at all? I mean, I'm talking to someone who's like totally, uh, uh, um, has allegiance to the Democratic Party. And he was just like, look, if, if, if Obama doesn't win, um, and if Romney steals the election, then that's, you know, it's all on Romney. And he's like, Obama can't fight it. And I was just like, wait, what do you mean Obama can't fight it? Like what? So you're saying that the presidency is completely impotent and you just like feel bad for him that he's just like totally controlled by outside forces and that the Republicans are so evil and strong that they will just like steal every election and it's just like there's nothing you can do. Like, does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I mean, the Bush election in 2000 was so clearly stolen that it's just ridiculous. (laughs) It just was like... They just, they needed to get in there. Like, they needed 9-11. I mean, I don't know who all of them were, or if 9-11 would have happened under Gore, but, I mean, this fucking, they aggressively needed that presidency, and they got it through whatever means they could, even having the Supreme Court decide it. I mean, it's just ridiculous that that's who decided our election for us. Yeah. And then, and then Gore never launched any countersuits or anything. I mean... And yeah, Kerry had lawyer, the lawyers on the ground. They never came. You had money saved, <laughs> never reserve. Came. Like, I think like over a million dollars for lawyers to launch, you know, lawsuits if they found there was any hint of fraud or whatever. And then he just fucking, he, he made a, com- like his, whatever, the commencement speech or I don't know if that's mm-hmm. what they call it. But he made, I saw him make the speech like it. I don't know, like seven in the morning or something. Yeah. I just remember being horrified. I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. Fuck you, dude. Like, fuck. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. It was totally shocking. It was. It was like <laughs> so crazy. I remember like, and I didn't even like really believe that it was conspiratorial at all, but I do remember watching the exit polls and they were like, you know, they flipped. 
like hours later and I was like wait this doesn't make any sense why would they flip like this and then like no one ever questioned it mm-hmm. and it was just like whoa and it like, wasn't just the crazy. exit polls for um, the popular vote because Gore won the it was the electoral they were all following the electoral Bush. college too yeah and the exit polls for all the important states showed Kerry in the lead right the ones that the ones that were are contested every year they don't like the right. whatever so yeah, people need to re- if if you don't believe that the 2004 election was shady, go back and look at the details of it. There's a lot of stuff out there now. I mean, since it happened, that you'll just you'll, you'll be you'll really be shocked well, if you haven't already read it. Yeah, here's the thing: is that both elections were stolen. I mean, I don't know about the 2008 elections. I don't think that they were. I think that there definitely were shady things that were put into place. I don't think that they were. I don't think they like. I don't know. But going back to the 2004, 2000, yeah, they definitely were. And what you should be most concerned with, other than this shit that happened, you know, that the Democrats didn't challenge it, and the Republicans did all this shit to, to really steal it, um, what you should be most concerned with is the fact that the corporate media, and like even alternative media, not just the corporate media, daily costs, like all these, all these organizations, the New York Times, I mean, all these like, publications that you probably go to your news refuse to cover this they call it a conspiracy theory they won't even address it it's like on par with asking questions about 9-11 i mean they do not touch the fact that the elections are rigged and that they were stolen and that there's enormous amount of proof to show this they won't touch it they didn't even review you know greg powell's research and they just refuse to to talk about it at all i mean what does that tell you well, it's like it's, the two most damaging things that can undermine the establishment. They just don't touch. No, they, and and that's if you notice conveniently, the term conspiracy theorist is always used for things that veer into territory that can heavily threaten the establishment that you can't absolutely prove. Like, you would you have to have like an airtight? Like, I mean, it just it's just such a inane concept now that when you suggest something like that you're labeled a conspiracy theorist right well thank you for fucking just not even using your critical thinking ability you're just like oh that sounds like that threatens my paradigm yeah, of how yeah. i view the world and i think the government's here to keep me safe so unless you show me a dossier with you know hundreds of pages of proof that i'm not that's a conspiracy theorist or yeah, theory you're it's a like fuck you dude like <laughs> Seriously, it's the most annoying. It is. It, it, it's like, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists. It's annoying you're like, because if you mean if I'm questioning shit, then yes. It's not annoying because it's effective. I mean, I'm usually able to just like destroy people who start arguments that way. Um, you know, if I'm arguing with someone online, but it's it's annoying because it makes there's a lot of people who hide behind that cloak of pseudo intellectual. Right. And like being pseudo intellectual, like they're like, oh, I don't believe things are conspiracy. Right, things. right, right. It's like, well, no, you just have this weird knee jerk reaction when somebody tells you something that that goes above and beyond you mm-hmm. know what you think about the government or whatever, and you just have a hard time believing it based on your real time reaction. Like that's yeah. not my fault that you that I just like somewhat threaten your paradigm. It, it's this weird emotional reaction that I think a lot of people resort to who just. It's embarrassing to say that you are not well informed enough to like form a conclusion. I think most people don't have that level of humility. Not it's not it shouldn't be embarrassing. I mean, people should be able to be like, you know, I just don't know enough about that. That's that's interesting or that, you know, I don't care or even that. But like it's instead it's like 
maybe they feel compelled to care, but then they're like, no, that's a conspiracy theory, so I'm not going to look into it, or whatever. It's it's just, it's it's really baffling sometimes. It is oh. really, it's just easy. It's easy for them, you know, because especially when you think that you are intelligent, it's like you don't even want to admit that you might not know about it. You're just like, oh, well, I, yeah, I would have known about that. That's ridiculous. That's well, a conspiracy theory. I think a lot of people are just, like, big-headed about having access to all this information online you they think that well i don't go to like mainstream websites i go to you know all these indie websites and i so i'm like really well informed and you know i've already read this and that so you're not telling me any new information there is like this new era of being pseudo-intellectual and pseudo-informed which sort of stifles debate and discussion a little bit more than it used to and it's it's disappointing that some people fall into that but i mean you know, and people, it can even be done with, like, conspiracy world stuff, you know? Let's talk about the other side of it. Like, people who are into sort of the alternative, you know, alternate history and, and things like, you know, a lot of truthers, 9-11 truthers and different people, they're very closed in their worldview, too, and they pretty much disbelieve. They have an alternate explanation for everything, you know, things that go beyond 9-11, like just the way the world <laughs> like operates, weather, like well, the storm, oh yeah, the dude, storm is a great dude, example. Dude, it's all like, these people are like, hard, 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 reaction, like, yeah. I mean, come on, motherfuckers, like, please don't, you're making us all look bad here, like, I mean, not saying that by proxy, you and I look bad because of storm conspiracy theorists, but there's people out there who look at storm consp- you know harp and like 9-11 truth is the same thing and that's it's really unfair like well it's just it's totally it's not just, accurate it's just amazing like i yes harp exists and yes they are like doing geoengineering plans to try to combat climate change but, like it's usually the people who don't believe that climate change is happening at all and default back to like everything's government controlled if the weather's changing rapidly then it has to be the government yeah. who's doing it it doesn't make sense i mean look I mean, yeah, climate change is seeding. climate change is fucking undeniable. Like, I'm sorry, if whether or not you believe it's man-made or not, it's happening. And if you think that the state is doing it all, like, did you not? What did you think about storms before? That exactly. they like. I mean, I mean the, in the Bible, nice. uh, well, I guess people, a lot of those same people are Christian too, so they believe that some of the biggest floods or storms were created by God or whatever. So. I guess, yeah, I mean, if you're already discussing, trying, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to bash people who are Christian out there, but a lot of Christians, evangelical Christians, will take they, they, those things in the Bible literally and believe that storms are created by God. I mean, and just not even really look into the science behind of how a storm is created. So I could see why a lot of those people would just not, well, either the government or God, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just No, it's, it is. It's unfortunate because there's a lot of prominent people in the alternative media, you know, world that also talk about nine eleven truth a lot who are promoting this theory that the storm what is it? What is the name for it? Um, Sandy. Sandy is <laughs> is a weather weapon. And then a lot of and a lot of those same people are saying Why? Oh, Why is it a weather weapon? Because Abby, they did cloud seeding in Vietnam and we know how to cloud seed, so we know how to make it rain, so obviously we created the same. But why are they doing it? Because they want to delay the election so they can do a false flag. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, someone... not, I just said, but it's just like you could that really use. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to speculate. I admit, I like to speculate on what's going to happen, and I sometimes think of fantastic scenarios that the government could do. 
and just really just fucking destroy everything. But I don't, I don't automatically believe my own theory, like fun imaginary theories that I come up with. Like, I just think it's just, it just, yeah, too many of these people just believe it, like at its face, and they're just like, yeah, that's what's happening. Like, yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Every single fucking weather anomaly, it's always HARP, and it's always geoengineering. And, dude, I can't even tell you, like, just to get it on the record, if anyone's wondering, because I fucking get hit up so many times a day about chemtrails and geoengineering, look, I looked into it. Um, I Believe me, I don't put anything past anyone, and I'm open to information. I'm not, like, discounting or discrediting anything. I understand there are geoengineering conferences going on. I understand that they have done this. Um, I, I get that. They, they have weather modification. This is one of Project Censored's top stories this year. But to say that this is happening to poison us, to, you know, they're spraying chemicals to control us and, and mind control, and this is happening every day all around the world, and this is a massive conspiracy, is fucking ludicrous. Um, it is, and it's all, and it also what it does is it makes the other really crucial issues seem like nothing in comparison. To that. Well, if they're controlling the weather, then fuck right. it, like nothing else. Right, matters, right, and know? that, and that, and so many people are just like, like, look, like this is the most important thing going on. And I'm like, look, if that were true, I agree, and 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 I also acknowledge that this is the same thing I argued with people about 9/11 who didn't believe me, and I was just like, look, can you? admit that this is the most important issue to expose to undermine it could crumble the whole thing and they're like i do acknowledge that but i don't believe that that's true and i get that, that i'm using that same logic <laughs> against the people who are siphoning energy from other movements to believe in chemtrails and think that that's the most important thing but you know i watched the documentary i watched what in the world are they spraying and i've really tried i've really tried and and, and i think to look at these bodies of water around the world that have arsenic and lead and and all these chemicals and to say that's an immediate causal reaction from the sprain that happens that that's erroneous to me because that's not directly linked you have not gotten a sample of these of the sprain i mean no one has gotten a sample directly of the planes that they consider are sprain you know chemtrails on these bodies of water i mean water is a cyclical process it goes through the atmosphere it's like acid rain i mean if you're like polluting in a certain area it could rain down in another area. I mean, that's not enough for me. And uh, and also a friend of mine who is a pilot, Rick, was saying that every single pilot knows the weight that they carry um, to actually think that this is happening every day all around the world where people are spraying like chemicals and poison aside from just crop areas like all over cities and shit. He's like, that is it doesn't make sense. He's like, all these pilots would have to know that they're carrying some sort of chemical that they're spraying. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So there's I mean, like there all be... these different components of it that just don't add up. Well, it's kind of like crop circles or something else where it's like, it's formulated from like people not seeing things in the sky that they, that they don't understand. And I'm not saying I understand calm trails or like jet exhaust, what it's supposed to look like, but I just don't think there's enough compelling evidence, like you're saying, to suggest that it is some sort of chemical spraying that they're doing to like control the po or poison the population. It doesn't. It does not add up from what I've seen. Right. And I'm open-minded about, you know, and the craziest theories, like. Right. You know, but I need to. I need to see things that that at least are compelling enough to look into it more. And I haven't really seen that with chemtrails. And unfortunately, it's a lot. I'd say like half at least half of the people that are into 
9-11 truth and, and just, you know, that the whole police state thing, like, do believe in, in chemtrails and, yeah. and post and about it all the time and stuff. And, and I just want to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with being open-minded about, you know, theories that people, a lot of people would consider crazy or, or just at least looking into them or talking about them. But to assert that that is what's happening and you, and you, and you know it and you need to, like, preach to other people about it, like, I just think that at a certain point, like, there are things that are provable that are happening now that are being overlooked and at least we know they're provable you know like the Obama administration has immunized torture or that they're throwing you know or that Bradley Manning is in jail for over the legal limit of before you know before you're actually going to trial I mean those are things that should be raised because they actually can stab directly to the heart of a power structure because we know that they're happening like it just doesn't make any sense to me to focus on things that are just so unprovable. I mean, maybe eventually someone will come out with that. I'm not saying that that's not possible. Someone will, some pilot will be like, yeah, I was told to right. spray. I mean, sure. But until we get something like that, I don't think it's it's not worth the amount of focus that it's getting. Yeah, it's like that's, with 9-11, we have the nanothermite and we have like, we do have like 2,000 architects and engineers who have said this is not possible. I haven't seen one person who is a pilot pilot for chemtrail truth or whatever like I, I haven't seen anything I, I'm open to it and I and I want to know I mean I'm just wondering how no one who's associated with planes or like who is a former pilot or is currently a pilot has come out and said look this has to be happening um, this is not possible you know it has to be coming, coming from the sprain da, 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 da. I haven't seen any organization or like anyone come forward with that information but yeah I agree I think until we, we're not discounting it, we're just saying that we haven't seen any sort of like hard evidence. And the passion and enthusiasm behind this movement about chemtrails like doesn't make sense because we don't have that. So what's the point really to focus so much on, on this and at the same time it discredits us because we don't have this evidence to other people who look at our movements who are associated with each other that bring up other issues that are provable, that are happening. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, and when you when it, the the thing that really annoys me is that this is boy who cried wolf mentality, where if you say often enough times that the government is behind these different things, it's just going to become normal, and people are right. going to get used to hearing it. And a lot of people believe it every time, but then people will just stop paying attention to things that actually might be by the government because you've been saying it about everything. Exactly. And that goes for diseases. That, that get released, you know, or that spread, um, you know, what's it was East Nile virus or not East Nile virus, but the fucking bird flu, SARS. Mm -hmm. It's all, a lot of them are, are labeled by as government um, false flag events, you know, by all these large, you know, conspiracy minded news outlets that also talk about a lot of good information too. But I think it, it, it lessens the impact of that other stuff. But when you put out very speculative stuff that's just not grounded in fact, it just it kind of just wagging the dog like every time, like, oh, yeah, like this is this is an inside job, too, or this is an inside job. Well, unfortunately, you know, that's what inside job. it seems like <laughs> the storm is an inside job. It seems like that is like 50 percent of the people who are somehow I don't know somehow I'm in contact with it they're just trolling the web or whatever it's like 50% of the people in, who are questioning alternative things believe in chemtrails believe that every single thing is going on with the government the aurora shooting 
well, I Sikh think, temple shooting, shooting the storm. And it's, it's like, and it, dude. And, like, it's, and I, I uh, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I, it annoys me to no end that that's the case. And it annoys me to no end when people say such and such, you know, is a hero. And I believe everything they say, they're totally legit. You know, when they're also going around saying some of the things we're talking about, that all storms are weather experiments <laughs> and stuff. And it, it annoys me. But at the same time, I can completely understand where they're coming from and, and have some empathy for why they're so... In some ways, it's almost like a little mini psychotic break that they've never gone back from, where it's like they are in a heightened state of emotion after 9-11. It's obvious that our government does criminal things and gets away with them and continues to kill people um, do all these crazy surveillance activities that's happening and I could see how that could drive someone into a state to believe that everything is fucked up and that things are are just like like science fiction level right. fucked up and believe everything out there because it's not it's not much of a leap to go from believing what I just said to believing that you know they could put chips in our brain to read our thoughts and stuff. I mean, it's, I could understand why people would get into that level of paranoia. I really could. And, and I don't think it's, we're not, I'm not saying that you should be like ashamed for like, you know, making your main issues chemtrails, but just maybe try to take a step back and like, see that, you know, compartmentalize things. Like there are things you could focus on your activism efforts on things that are happening now that we can prove. And then, you know, just speculate on that kind of stuff on the side or something and not let it occupy your whole life. And, and, also, and, also, yeah, and also not put it out there um, until you do know yeah. or, or feel and, sure about Because I think that is another interesting thing is like it is completely flooding, you know, the breaking the set pages and like all this shit. It's just like constant stuff about, about this. And it's just interesting. Um, it is just interesting. It's like, whoa, like you are so sure about this that you are actually, you know, focusing your, your output of energy. And I think it's a phenomenon it. too that exists with the internet. It's like the internet has a lot of fringe groups within it that are very, very vocal and very good at like reposting stuff over and over again. Like that's just right. the nature of the internet in general. And since this whole, you know, the conspiracy world has become more popular on the internet. I just think it's just a byproduct of that. You're just going to get these people who believe it. I'm the only one who be, who knows what's really going on, and I need to tell the world. So I'm going to go on every mm -hmm, YouTube mm -hmm. video that's somewhat related and post the same thing on every single one because, right. like, I need to get this out. You know, it's like right. it's this hero, you know, like they think they're the whistleblower or something. And, again, like I can understand that. It's the ego. You know, they you want to feel like – if you believe this, you really believe that. Well, that's how I felt about when I found out about all this shit that I do. You know, we well, yeah, we did that. I mean, I, I, not, that's why I'm saying I could empathize with it because I've been in that heightened emotional state where it literally occupies like every, every day of your time. I mean, just like right. you, you think about it all the time. Right. And it's true. And I think, yeah, you, it's like it's in the, it's kind of the same way that you get overwhelmed by things in your regular day to day life. Like, if you have a bunch of phone calls you're supposed to return, a bunch of emails you're supposed to send, a bunch of web you know site updates you're supposed to make, and you don't do them, you know, the longer you wait, the more you're going to get more overwhelmed until you start 
compartmentalizing those things you need to get done and just doing them piece by piece. Like you're not going to be able to do them all in an hour, you know, Mm -hmm. you need to like think, okay, maybe like 30 minutes I'll spend on these emails or whatever. And I think that it's like, it creates this alarming sensation where when you believe all these theories and you start to read all about things like the government poisoning us, um, and all this stuff, you, you get overwhelmed by it all as a whole. Instead of being able to look at the individual pieces of it and thinking, wow, this is something that's underreported that they poisoned the water supply in this town here, you know, only a couple of years ago. Like, I wonder how many people are talking about this. Like, fill in the spaces that you feel are being neglected. And I'm just suggesting out there to people who do any kind of political activism. Mm-hmm. I mean, or jump on a, on a bandwagon that you really believe in. Like, that's okay, too. But, like, I don't know. I just think it's not... I just don't think it's healthy for your day-to-day life to be occupied with they're trying to kill me. Like, thinking about that all the time, that it just it's just going to wear you down, you know, psychologically. It is. It really is. And you have to shed yourself of, of that fear. I mean, the fear will control you. And you just have to alleviate the fear and, and, and embrace reality, embrace the truth, and move forward and... I think that the best thing you can do is, like, people ask me all the time, you know, what can I do uh, if everything's fucked up and you're saying that, you know, both parties are the same and all this shit. And it's like, well, first of all, I know we say this often, but I think it's really important to, to keep in mind is that we have an enormous amount of power. With the people that we talk to every day, the conversations that we have, the dialogue that we initiate anywhere and everywhere, um, the things that you put out there do have an impact and they do have an effect and they, have, they do have a ripple effect and not only that but the businesses that you choose to go to the websites that you choose to go to like making the corporate media establishment irrelevant things like local votes that you do just in your actions I mean I think the, those are really important things to keep in mind and um, I was actually really excited to, to interview the guy who made the Zeitgeist trilogy Peter Joseph on breaking the set and I'll link to that on the timeline but he broke down the political election thing really well when he was just like look in in light of the whole charade he's like presidential um the people who are elected president really do have like just 10 percent of an impact he's like that's how little changes i mean if that yeah and and you're talking about a whole apparatus like 10% 10% of what? I mean, not definitely not like 10% of the military. Unless no, 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 it's no. 10% increase of it. just maybe random things. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, it's like, that's at Which most. spread over the whole apparatus is probably, it just amounts to like, you know, like a 1% change right. in the military or, you know, yeah. even less or whatever. Yeah. That's a good, uh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, you know, so just keeping that in mind, and he was like, look, I'm not trying to tell you don't vote. He's like, I'm just trying to say that these are way overhyped when you look at how much impact they really do have on society and the world pretty much at large um so just keeping that in mind and just knowing that you do have power don't get you know don't get disillusioned um but don't ever believe that a vote for the lesser two evils is justified because that's bullshit (laughs) well yeah i mean just don't i just think just vote for whoever you want to right and don't base that don't when I say vote for whoever you want to, I mean, in your heart, who you believe is most applicable to your values. Don't vote for someone based on who people tell you not to vote for. Don't right. don't worry about, quote unquote, wasting your vote because you, you're the only one who could decide that. It's your vote. 
don't let people take that away from you. The idea that you are participating in a so-called democracy, at least the sim sim uh, symbolism behind it, because that's really all you have as a democratic, you know, voting citizen. That's all you have. And to let other people tell you who you can't vote for because they're not going to win anyways, I just think it's a shame. You're wasting an opportunity by doing that. I don't like to say the word wasting your vote because it's, I think it's bullshit, you know, across the board. It's just like vote for who you really, truly want. And that's, I mean, that's all I can say. Yeah, you're right. It was like, I think it's Oscar Wilde or something who said, I'd rather vote for someone who I, who doesn't win who I want to win than have someone win who I voted for that I don't like. Like, or I just like felt like I had to just put him in there. It's like, why would you... Obviously, I just butchered that really profound quote. But basically, like, I would rather vote for someone who I believed in um, than vote for some asshole who's a drone king and, you know, yeah. giving away all our rights. Just because yeah. he might not overturn Roe v. Wade. It's like... And plus, really? and plus, a lot of these people who get wrapped up in this, oh, you're wasting your vote. They have, a lot of the people who say that, they don't participate in politics or anything having to do with like political activism at all that's their only participation method is they right. vote every four years and they probably only start to care a couple months before the election and I, I i i hate to say it guys but there's plenty of people out there like that you probably know some of them who you've noticed they're not political at all until every election season starts coming up and then they get into this mode of repeating back to you all the talking points that they've heard on the news those, there's a lot of people out there like that, and they're going to tell you you're wasting your vote because they're programmed by the stuff they watch to think that. they. I mean, they say it all the time in the media. They exclude third parties. They imply, yeah. you know, indirectly or sometimes directly that you're literally wasting your vote voting for someone who has no chance of winning. It's like a circular argument. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. It's completely a circular argument. It's ridiculous. Um, but I'm going to make some dinner out here, prepare for uh, the Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, you're in Get the some food made before you're in my the eye power of the hurricane, dude. Yeah, the eye of the hurricane's right over my head. Okay, well, everyone, have an awesome night, and um, I hope that you enjoyed the broadcast. Please donate to MediaRoots.org if you want to continue to see these broadcasts going. We're, um, Robbie's working on a great series of articles. He also has a series of um, paintings that I did with his new release. Do you want to talk about that really quick before we stay up? Well, it's a three CD set under my artist name, Forrest and Gray, and it's going to come with about 20 cards, including photographs by Abby and paintings by Abby as well and, and stuff by me um, inside the box with three CDs. It's a wooden box, which will have artwork by Kelly Porter stamped on it. Um, and then it'll come with, there's a limited edition of eight uh, paintings that will come with this extra special edition of it that'll come in its own box with painting and box inside of another box. <laughs> so awesome. uh, stay tuned for that. That's coming out in early November, very soon. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, everyone check it out. It's fantastic. He has a compilation of uh, footage from Yosemite. I'm sorry, not Yosemite, Yellowstone National Park, one of the most amazing places on Earth. Um, really cool video promo video for Ambiente, his release, so check that out on, on YouTube and 
And you got an interview with Joe Rogan that's online? Yeah, yeah. Um, we did the Joe then, Rogan podcast that's on Media Roots right now. And you were also involved in a, a pretty entertaining roundtable discussion before the, the Russia <laughs> Today third party debate. It's like an hour long. So if you want to see what Abby... Uh, how Abby fares in a um, in a in a in like a pre-debate analysis roundtable. You got to watch it. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you just you just like cut through so much of like the bullshit stuff. It's, I, I love watching. It. <laughs> yeah, that's all on Media Roots right now. Check it out. Uh, um, yeah, we we have the full third-party debates on there as well. If you haven't seen them, and everything else, uh, we're trying to keep keep the pace up, keep it going, keep it alive. Thanks for all your support. And oh. we'll uh, talk to you soon. What, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, I wanted to add, um, if anybody out there just hasn't been following the, the third parties at all, there's three candidates that you might be interested to check out. Um, one of them is Rocky Anderson. He's only on the ballot in, I think, 13 states, but he he's probably most in line with the stuff we talked about on the podcast. Um, Jill Stein, the Green Party nominee, um, she's on, I think, like 26 ballots or something. Uh, she's pretty good too and then Gary Johnson um, if you're more on the libertarian side you might want to check him out he's probably getting the most the highest polling right now in the election Um, and a lot of people think that a lot of the Ron Paul fans might go for him instead and he's got more socially liberal policies than Ron Paul so check out Jill Stein Rocky Anderson and Gary Johnson and we have exclusive interviews with all three of those candidates on Media Roots. Uh, Adam Yezzo did a exclusive interview with Rocky Anderson with the RNC, and I did an interview with Jill Stein and Gary Johnson on Breaking the Set, and we have them all featured on the timeline, everything we've talked about, check it out, and uh, listen to what they have to say. Awesome, Abby. I can't wait to see uh, more of your show. Yeah, I'm glad that you're liking it. That's that's great. And uh, it's fun to have Oh, I, I went too. on it too, yeah. I went on that shit again, and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch that as well. We'll post it on the on Media Roots soon. Yeah, check out the timeline. Donate to MediaRoots.org, and keep up the great work, everyone. Keep up. <laughs>